Welcome back to the AM Take Podcast. I'm Marv. And I'm Amy, and we're two parts of this very awesome podcast. Join us this week as we explore a variety of topics. Father's Day isn't until June 18th, but since we talked about our mothers last week, we thought it's only fair to talk about our fathers. Yeah, equal rights. Yeah. Sounds good. So, before that, um, anything interesting this week, this past week that happened, or you've been working on? Yeah, I've been uh, helping out a friend of ours with her wedding decorations. And yeah, it's really fun because, you know, we're just a group of friends. And then we're just, you know, doing floral arrangement, decorations, eating together, just having fun, socializing. And uh, yeah, I've been working uh, until the late evenings. Her wedding is uh, next week. So it's coming up and uh, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. should be fun. From the photos I've seen, it looks really good. And um, she's DIYing everything, right? Yes, yes. A lot of money spent on artificial flowers and leaves. But hey, it's worth it. It looks really nice. That's cool. Yeah. What about you? Um, not much. Uh, work and then I have animation this week, so I'll be staffing animation at the dealer table. Nice. I did it last year. It was fun. Um, Mm -hmm. looking forward to it as well too. I've only ever gone to one other con in my life, Uh and um, it was uh, RTX in Texas, well Austin, Texas, uh, twenty fifteen. Then and then I did animation last year as a staff, and then this year I'll be doing it as staff again. So do you? Do you ever wish to uh, staff a different department in animation? No, I think I'm good from the stories I've heard, you know, and the things that people have to deal with. Uh, you know, dealer's yeah. table seems pretty it's pretty sweet. chill. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty chill. So, you know, I like helping people and uh, just marketing the uh, con merch is pretty fun. So, right. uh, but then you do get pulled away for some things depending on the help if they're short staff or something like that yeah so okay it's it's fun and um i have a friend out there in raleigh too so i'll be meeting up with him as well too um probably getting drinks one of those nights i'm out there but yeah yeah, i'll be out there what friday to roughly um monday so it'll be a good time my only concern is the the flights it's memorial day weekend so oh is it generally busy yeah, it's really busy, and oh. so, um, yeah, that should be fun. But my flights aren't. My flights are kind of like, um, not too early or not too late, so it shouldn't be too bad. Hopefully, but it's usually um, what getting through security that takes the longest time. Yeah, um, but I have a because I've been traveling so much. I yeah. have a um, oh, like a fast thing pass called, Nexus. Yeah, it's called yeah, it's called Claire. Oh, I think. Okay. Um, it's it's uh it's like they fast track you through it. I get it with my credit card, and so nice. um, only at specific airports they have that, and so you just go. You it's a separate line from security, and it's separate from P- uh, TSA pre-check too, which is something we have in the states. Nice. It's like uh, you already sign up with your information, so they trust. I guess quote unquote trust you already, so you you just pass through a lot of lot quicker. Nice. But um, with them, you go, yeah, you go and they scan your eyes and then they check your um, boarding pass and then they put you right at the. Um, oh at wow! The, uh, There's like biometrics, security. man. That's the next level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They do. They do iris scan or thumbprint or they can uh, your ID. But I, you know, the fastest is usually your your um, iris scan. And so you go there, they take it, they verify your boarding pass, and then. You scan your eyes and then you just go right in. It's usually, uh, for me, it's been worth it. Is it yeah. unique to every person, the iris scan? Is that is that a thing? I didn't I know I would that. assume so. I mean, uh, if you look at your iris, it's pretty, seems pretty unique. I would assume so. If you look at it, you know, the cloudiness of it as well. Um, I, would, I would imagine it would be an issue if you had, like, problems with oh, your eyes oh, that yeah. I don't have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't i don't have any issues with my eyes but i don't i don't know how that works but um yeah it's it's been invaluable for me okay um, okay for traveling so much because when i they have in austin they have in dallas and so um it's been a big help basically so cool um, well yeah if the best you, time yeah i was gonna say if you guys ever see marv at the dealer's table just go say hi oh my god <laughs> please don't yes i'll be wearing a mask do it all right 
<laughs> but yeah, it should be fun. I'm excited about it. Um, they project to be there to be more people this year. Um, the last year was like the first soft opening since the since 2020, and 2021 would close down because of COVID. So 2022 was um kind of mild. I think there was like I think ten thousand people. They were projecting more than that, but obviously, wow. Um, yeah. So it yeah. should be interesting. This is like what this is like the first year where it's like where masks are not required but recommended only. So I be, see. Okay, so it's not a mandate anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Um, okay, but even though last year it wasn't mandated, you're still going to wear a mask. Yeah, of course I'm still going to wear a mask. That's this is going to be so many times of people, and yeah, I just don't want to get sick, man. Like, yeah, man, we're so. What, you, I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I'm still sick. I'm still trying to get over <laughs> this damn cold. I, I, in fact, I think I sound worse than I did last time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no offense, <laughs> but yeah, I I don't want to get sick, you know, because being on the plane. It be Memorial Day weekend, yeah. and um, to and the mention, number of people at the con, yeah, and, and I'm gonna be dealing again. with people. Oh yeah, too traveling, and then I'm gonna be, you know, selling stuff too, so interacting with a lot of people. So, um, that's gonna be one of those main concerns. I mean, I can, you know, it's not really a problem, but it's just why not, you know? Yeah. So, but yeah, other than that, um. That'll be this weekend, and then next week I'll be seeing you, and we'll yeah. be heading to the wedding. Should yeah, be fun. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. I'm excited to eat all the good food in Montreal. Yeah, man, it's gonna be so yummy. And it, doesn't Montreal have a con or takathon? Yeah, otakathon. Yeah, it usually happens when in August. When is that you? Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Like, all it's the pretty big is now, August. isn't it? Yeah, otakathon is pretty big. It's uh, I've staffed there for a couple of years. Um, and you know, it started off small as a university club thing. And now they have to rent out every year at the Palais de Congrès, which is this huge, um, building for mm. expositions or ex exhibitions, whatever you call it. Um, that's, yeah. I was going to say, is Otakotan and Anime North, I think, is the two big ones up there? Right. In Anime Canada, North, right? yeah, Anime North is located in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, I think Anime North is slightly bigger yeah. than yeah. Otakathon. But yeah, I would say that there's a lot of people in Otakathon. It's jam-packed. Mm -hmm. Are you going? This, no, <laughs> I'm not going. I'm done with Otakathon. Like, I <laughs> had fun staffing, but it's it's so much work because it's kind of like a second job because mm. I, I wasn't... Uh, I wasn't just staffing. I was also uh, part of the coordinator. So, like, you have to manage the entire department. And it's just, I don't want it. Like, like at the dealer's table, right? Um, mm -hmm. I was the artist uh, area director at some point. And then, like, oh, I had to... Wow. Yeah, I had to um, form contracts with the artists and then uh receive payment from them also uh fit them in the uh, in on the map and kind of just oh so much more responsibility than just uh, yeah cuz cuz they they were my customers I and see. then bef before the artist area director I was the senior director for volunteers operations so I had to manage 250 volunteers for a 3 day event so like I uh, had a That's team fun. but but we were scheduling them and like the schedules oh so mm -hmm. so complicated because not only do you have to talk with communicate with the volunteers themselves which are mostly teenagers but you also have to communicate with the departments asking them how many volunteers you need right mm -hmm. and then when they they don't respect the deadlines then you can't so move forward. Down. Yeah, you can't move forward with your job. And then they kind of force you to just crunch. Uh, and then also you have to give uh, the volunteers orientation day. So like oh. you have to explain the rules, uh, the, the ground rules of the venue, like what mm. you're not allowed to do and all of that. And then also like, the rules within the organization uh, and whatnot, and so it's it's 
so much work and I, I am see. not, I, I don't have as much vitality anymore. I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's unfortunate. Yeah, but like, it's fun though. Like you can att definitely attend as just as a, uh, what they call con goer, an attendee. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty fun, like lots of cosplays, amazing cosplays, amazing voice actors usually are there and uh, really, really cool contests, like singing contests, the cosplay contests, masquerades is what they call it. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, plenty of entertainment. There's a game room too, like lots well, of... Uh, hopefully, maybe one of these... Days we'll have an episode dedicated to your con stories. <laughs> oh my god! Please no. <laughs> Lots of things happened in in the convention that like attendees don't know about. Oh yeah, but like yeah, staff staff deal with. It's just yeah. Maybe one, one of these days, maybe right. Well, maybe. all right. So sounds anyway. like we've had a pretty uh mundane normal i guess week or so and a pretty exciting week coming ahead yeah but uh let's back, get back to the topic at hand yeah father's day or what we think about dads. well my dad he was born in laos mm -hmm. um he is 63 i believe okay. now and he was uh, a middle child one of 10 or 11 total more boys than girls i know that for sure uh -huh. um born in laos just like my mom mm -hmm. and um he was always, I guess, a talker. Uh, that's what my mom would call him. My dad is somebody who you can just have a conversation with. And I think I take over my dad. <laughs> You're that, the you extrovert. Know? Like, uh, yeah, you got the extrovertness yeah. from him. Yeah, and always like kind of the, the center of attention, I guess. Um, but I mean, I am i don't particularly care to be the center of attention. But um, as an extrovert, sometimes that just it just happens. And so... Right. Um, yeah, my dad's always been someone like that. And with that said, a lot of people do rely on him. Mm -hmm. And I've always found that admirable growing up. Uh, I remember looking through his things and just seeing how he was part of like the... Uh, he was part of this association. Um, it was called the Laos Association of Providence, I believe. is where he, They lived at the time in Rhode Island, where we lived at the time in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And uh, I saw pictures of him and... He was responsible for helping refugees from Laos uh -huh. and Thailand relocate um, and uh, basically cool. like social services for them. Yeah. yeah. So he got them jobs and found uh, housing for them, things like that as well. I know at one point he was featured on either radio show or local TV show because mm -hmm. I remember seeing I saw the picture and it's a classic like 70s, 80s picture and has that brown hue, right? Beige and brown, like the eighties and seventies and things like that, and the way they dress and things like elephant that. Elephant pants. So, I, yeah, exactly. And so I remember seeing that, and I was always curious as to what my dad did when he was there. And so he was very involved in the community. Um, even to this day, he would always tell us to go to in, in the Hmong community. That is specifically, he would always tell us to go in. Um, see people that we that he'll tell us that he knows that we should get to know and you know it's unfortunate because it's a different era i guess uh for for us i guess you know and so it's just my dad was really involved in a lot of things and um seeing that seeing that was something interesting growing up because we would have people come over and ask him for advice all the time or my dad would tell us who is who and what is what and um, how he knows certain people. Nice. And at the same time, he going he was a notary public too. So a notary is a public notary is somebody who just you know reaffirms uh, documentation and things like that. And because of that, like well, I thought he was so cool because he had this, well, he this metal seal. Yeah. Yeah, metal seal, right from the state of Rhode Island. And people would come to him and ask him for notariz notarization. Yeah. And I, growing up, I didn't know what that was until obviously I got older and I realized what that was. And and even then, like, 
for a lot of the immigration, he would represent people for like immigration yeah. cases it's and a, things like that. Yeah, it's especially important for like, uh, especially for the refugees if they need to notary seal for translation of papers and whatnot. Like in a different yeah, it's language. crazy because yeah. oh 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 yeah, I that, I guess that makes sense for uh, especially in Montreal for sure. Yeah. Um, and I know he would he would go and be a translator. Uh, he would go and help represent some people in court, mm-hmm. and I always find that fascinating and find it hilarious that my dad, of all people, who I never, you don't really know what your your parents do, I guess. Uh-huh. You know, you vaguely know what they do, and then you find all this documentation of what they've been doing, and you realize that they were actually bigger than what you you knew. Wait, so when so, when did you find this out? This is probably when I was like 15, 16. Oh, okay. Like right before we moved to North Carolina and we were going through um, oh, moving stuff around. Oh, that's very interesting. And they, they, like your parents never told you about this side of, of your father. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't have understood as a kid. Oh, I you know? see. Before, like, before I was 15, I'm like, what, what is a notary, public notary or a notary public? You know, I don't know what that is. Uh, until then, you realize through just growing up and living in the world you realize there's these things that go on that your dad was a part of and obviously people needed representation for citizenship things like that mm. and he would go and translate and at the same time i also knew of these things because he would have me um as we got older he would have me double check his writing mm. uh, that was always a big thing for my both my parents involved and um they would write things or want certain things written a certain way and obviously we growing up speaking English, I I would know what to write and how to say it for my dad. Mm-hmm. And it was a lot of work, man. Like, because it wasn't just as simple as writing it out and be done with it, right? It was yeah. like going through revisions. My dad wanted it to sound a certain way. And as a kid, it's like, it was frustrating as a kid because like you just wanted it to be done, you know, because yeah. it was hours and hours where you can, instead of like doing this, you can be playing video games. Right, right, But right. looking back, you know, it really, uh, I really appreciate it because I, my dad put a lot of trust on me yeah. to write this legal, help him write this legal document, yeah. you know. Um, you got to learn a lot of, 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 you know, like real life stuff too. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You gained a lot of skills from that. And that's probably probably why I decided to go to school for English. Mm-hmm. And speaking of like school, my dad was was strict on like school stuff. You know, he was like, "You need to go be a doctor." Oh or my god, a doctor, lawyer. Like, yeah. yeah, and I I did go to school as a computer engineer. Um, you know, as my major, but I switched. I you know, I ended up with an English degree. Right. And I know how I know my when I switched like two years into my uh, college career, my dad was super disappointed. We actually got into an argument over it, you know, because mm. he I know why he he was angry because essentially I was throwing my life away, you know, because you can't really get a job with an English degree except to be a teacher or a translator or a, a, a technical writer or something. Um, but it's not going to be, I guess, as well paying, I guess, as, um, you know, something in the STEM field. Right. But here I am still end up in STEM anyway. Yeah. So with the English degree, but that was a big, uh, he was a big proponent of education. That was a big thing. Um, he hated that we played video games, but ironically, he bought bought the video games for you. Yeah. He bought the (laughs) Nintendo when we were young. I remember uh, and he brought it home and I was like, what the heck? Like, I, I was like, this is awesome. And we played and I mean, my dad hated it eventually because we always play. But um, he'd say like, you know, we were wasting our life playing video games. And we were, but the thing is that we, we were addicted. I mean, as most kids are these days, right. you know, um, and it got so bad because it was like, but it, it was kind of weird because I was, I was, I was doing homework so much and so quickly to be able to play video games. So right. it's like an incentive, you know, at the same time. Yeah. And at the same time, my dad being such a, a, a like a proponent of education, he taught us like algebra and calculus and stuff like that in like the sixth, seventh grade. You like when th- that is so advanced. Yeah. I mean, he essentially beat it into us, you know? 
Yo, I'm so impressed. Can I just say I'm so impressed that your dad can even teach that? Like, oh yeah, but it was like it was like you had no choice. No, but like you had no choice, and we hated it. Yeah, because you're like you don't understand. Like, what's why is there an X? Why are there letters? All we're learning is the multiplication no, but, table. Okay, why? So, so okay, the reason why I'm so impressed is because my mom, you know, from last week. Mm. Uh, she loves boasting, right? She loves, you know, uh-huh. uh, the the pride in her, and then she's always so proud of her math skills. But all uh-huh. she can do is like recite the damn timetable, <laughs> and then like she's boasting about that. And then here you are with your uh-huh. dad, calculus, algebra, you know, those things. And I'm like, whoa! I'm so impressed. Yeah, and I I guess it, it kind of backfired on my dad because like, um, math class is a breeze. Like like until I got to like senior year, junior year high school, which was like AP classes and stuff, right? Uh-huh. And honors classes because that was like beyond what I knew already. So before that, man, it's, oh, I'll just do homework on the bus right to school. You know, uh, right. it's like I could solve equations without having to draw the problem, and I get like half the points instead because i didn't have time to write the problems out. i just knew the answer because i knew the concept oh. or i knew the yeah and so that was the that was kind of problematic because i was like i don't need i don't need to write all this out i, I already know the answer you know yeah um, that's so problem. it was like that <laughs> yeah exactly because i just wanted to get it done yeah. so i could play video games so, and yeah um, especially in physics yeah like if if most points are awarded to the like you. You have to show the work and the calculations. Yeah, you always have to. Show yeah, the work. yeah, yeah. Like if you just come up with the answer, there you don't get full points there, and then like it's actually not the majority of the points. So yeah, you get points for getting the right answer, right? But you don't get, you get like what like if this if it's a four point question, right? They'll give you maybe they give you two points. Yeah. Most of the time, they're gonna give you one point yeah. because you have the answer. Yeah. That's it. I, I, so, yeah. um, I've once had a classmate who got none of the answers right on an exam, but got a 95% anyway. <laughs> or like a, an incre- incredibly like high score is ridiculous because he showed all of his work. And then he's just, at the end, don't know why, he just never got the answers right. Like, don't know what it was. That's funny. Anyway, yeah. So that was a carry on a big a big thing for my dad. He would teach us. He, like I said, he would essentially beat it to us. It wasn't like an option for you to like. Oh, hey, do you want to learn? Uh, you know, you want to take math classes today? Nope. You gotta sit your butt down and uh listen to my, listen to dad drone on about it. And right. I mean, eventually you get it right. And so, mm. uh. But yeah, I took advantage of that once I got to high school. I'm like, oh, I know this already. This is like at home you know and so uh it, it kind of backfired because then i just go home and play video games because i'd be able to do the homework already right and well i i know that i'd be able to do it quickly enough uh-huh. and so um I, I guess that's kind of messed up you know using your powers instead of trying to make yourself smarter you just use it as a way to you know play video well, games, i mean I guess. you were a kid you were a kid <laughs> so i don't blame you like a kid wants to do kid stuff. Yeah, and I think we, I think I hung on to video games so much because when, um, when I got, we got to that age, we moved away from where like there were uh, lots of Hmong people uh-huh. in our community towards more of the suburbs. So it was a little bit more isolating, I guess you could say. Um, and so we didn't have many uh, friends to start. Um, but it wasn't too bad later on. And then when I did. I guess things went downhill after sophomore year of high school because that's when I went. We moved to North Carolina, mm-hmm. and that was a whole different culture um, than it was in the north. Because the north was so diverse, but then uh, North Carolina was very, uh, very different. I guess you could say, yeah. in terms of um, diversity, anyway. Mm-hmm. And so um, that obviously at that point things didn't really uh, fly in that regard. Um, but anyway. Back to my dad. Um, yeah, so he was. Um, he went to college. I think he only went through one year of college and um, one or two years in college, and afterwards had to drop out and get a job because uh, that's was when hooray I was born. So oh. um, wait, so he went yeah, to so, college yeah. in the states? 
Yeah, yeah, I think uh, we went to either one or two years. Oh, that's maybe just one or two semesters. I think maybe that's so um, pretty cause... cool. That's like that's very rare. I don't know if you know, but like very few immigrants actually uh, continue education in uh, in the country they immigrate to. They just usually settle and work hard yeah and but then... he yeah he was working at the same time yeah but i think because he you know my mom was pregnant with me and they were getting married i think he decided to to drop school and he would always talk about that not as in a i regret getting married to your mom blah blah, blah but like you know he looks back on it and throughout the years he'd always try to um try to take classes like classes i guess uh-huh. or online classes to um eventually uh get his degree i think he went but unfortunately he went to those four private schools like those schools that they advertise on tv and things like that oh. um yeah so he didn't really get much out of that unfortunately so and my dad isn't the yeah so was your dad fluent in english already like when he no was in- i was getting, yeah i was just I was just gonna uh, get to that point, oh. but my dad wasn't really great in English. Oh. Um, his speak, he was able to get by speaking, and his his English speaking was clearly not fluent. But he he was able to talk to people and uh, converse with people. But where he had he had most issue was um, writing, and even when he was taking these courses and classes, he would ask us for help in checking his grammar, sentence structure. Um, things like that and to make sure that things make sense and what have you basically and so you can imagine how hard that is you know yeah having a job taking care of family going to school and then at the same time not even really knowing how to how to write or uh put your ideas on paper and so um that was one thing as well um yeah so i gotta hand it to you to your dad though because like at a college level too you know the English is kind of difficult, and oh, the yeah, confidence it, it really he has is. in himself to go through that—that's amazing. Yeah, I've always, I've always seen my dad as a very confident person, and the only I've only very rarely seen him cry mm-hmm. as as well at the same time. Um, I don't believe he. I I think I was too young to see him cry when I don't know if he cried at my my um, grandpa's funeral in 1996. I believe it was 90. You ninety three or ninety six, I yeah. think, um, because I was too young to remember. Um, I remember, but I I don't know if I focused on my dad, but um, I don't know if he cried then. I don't believe he did, but I know that when my grandpa passed away in like twenty, in twenty ten or twenty eleven, my grandma did pass away. Um, that's when I saw him cry, and yeah. that was sad because, you know, you you don't usually see uh, yeah your dad in that vulnerable state yeah and with my dad being so extroverted and confident all the time especially as well too and so that was that was a rare sight as well and it it, it gets know, to we, you when when you see a grown man you know usually tough and all that and then break down it, it does get to you yeah that's that's another thing too my dad was never really one of those tough guys i guess you could say you know he was oh. always mm, I guess confident was good. This is a good word to put it, but not overly like, um, not overly, not overly confident. Not not like too tough or too manly or too masculine or or not overly masculine. But obviously, um, coming from a Hmong society, he had that obviously patriarchal right, air about him right. or what have you. Basically, because you had to be a leader, you had to not show your emotion, things like that. And, um, you know, growing up, that was tough because it was hard for me to, growing up, being the first, you know, the oldest son yeah. and in a, in a different culture than they're raising, you know, it was hard for me to subscribe to it completely as well, mm-hmm. too. And that we, we always conflicted on that because I'd always think that I wasn't good enough because I wasn't going the the way they want to. And, you know, Asian parents. You get a you get a why not a plus you know uh, you get a minus why yeah. not a so yeah so that as well too and yeah. um and on top of being like and I would I would never get those because I was busy 
playing video games. I was busy taking shortcuts yeah. because I had learned these things already. And so it was for me like, why do I have to like show all my work if I don't have to, you know? And so, um, and I for me it was like, oh, I'll just do the the bare minimum to get by. But obviously that didn't look good for my parents. You know, they're like, oh, why why is it like this? Why not better? But uh, for me it was like, oh, I rather enjoy being a kid and playing video games or something like that as opposed to like working so hard and um and i have friends who worked really hard and you know i respect them for that as well too but for me it was always i don't know i just felt like i always wanted to find shortcuts and, and <laughs> yeah that that's don't that's work not hard, good work right easy. you know <laughs> yeah like you know all right here's here's the worst story i have of that okay yeah um had to have a rough draft. No, this is this is grass group, by the way, and had to have a rough draft of a paper due, roughly fifteen pages, right? Uh-huh. And I just didn't want to write it, and but I spent like three hours on an introductory paragraph, and it was so good uh-huh. that it made up for. <laughs> <laughs> having to turn in a rough a full rough draft oh, wow. because i had i had my outline i had my rough draft and my outline my rough uh, introductory paragraph and i sat down and explained my thoughts and ideas to my professor yeah and she was like oh okay this is good this is really good you should really have a rough draft but i'll let you slide this time because this this sounds very compelling and i was like yes <laughs> and i was like oh my god did i really do that <laughs> and it was like a it was like a month-long thing a month-long paper too so right. I was just like, and I did it in the course of a day and a half, and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm so lazy!" <laughs> and so, yeah, um, that's probably why I'm I'm such a procrastinator as well too. So, um, but yeah, so my dad taught me a lot of things, but because focused so much on knowledge and things like that, I used it in the worst way possible, <laughs> I guess you could say. So, cheers, dad. <laughs> but um, you know, one of those things is uh, one of the things that um, growing up, with my dad is. It was always hard for me to um, justify disappointing him, and uh-huh. obviously my mom as well too, but my dad more so because yeah, for the longest time I'd always put so much pressure on myself, thinking like you know if if dad can come to the states and get a job and help all his community and go represent people in court and do all these things on top of not having a college degree not knowing how to speak English well or write English well and take care of a family, buy a house, two cars, raise five kids. By the day, by the time he's like 32, 33, I'm like, that's such a high standard for me to live up to. Yeah. You know? And so... I shared a feeling. I, yeah. And I would always think like, I have to be better than my dad because that's what they, that's what they do. Like, uh, first generation immigrants, they go and find make a better life for their kids right so that they don't have to suffer but here i am essentially suffering (laughs) and like yeah but i I, to that i would argue that those were different times the economy was different i get that yeah yeah. definitely i'm just saying like i get that now but like a few years like maybe a decade ago it was you know just getting out of college i'm like what am i gonna do you know like how can i be more useless than my dad was when he got here you know yeah i have a degree in like what am i doing in my life and so that was a harsh realization but obviously no one knew how bad it was when i graduated college because that was that was i graduated in 2008 <laughs> and that's when we had the housing crash right oh, and so true. obviously we weren't aware of that as a fresh college graduate but that's what was going on all around us it's like hey yeah. Uh, you're not the only one getting screwed because all these people with 401ks, all these people who are working, they're getting, they're getting that stuff messed up too. Yeah. And so I didn't know that. Nobody knew that. And so it w- it really was a different time. And I didn't get that until years later that I realized. And when you look back on it, you're like, okay, I was you were dealt a shit hand. Yeah, I was going to say dealt bad cards. Yeah. Yeah. And even then, I'm doing okay now, but not as quote-unquote good as they had it back then but if you if you think about it there's a lot more support back then you know yeah. in terms of uh well not only uh, that like but like the wage welfare. and the, the wage and the costs of mm-hmm, living mm-hmm. is not proportional Correct. yeah yeah it's not proportional compared to back then yeah. you know yeah. like 
you know, when my dad retired from his job that he had for like 20 something years before he moved from Rhode Island to North Carolina, uh-huh. um, I never knew how, how much he made. And I think when I graduated college in a few years, like right before I got my job where I am at now, I found out my dad's final, my dad's final pay, like how much he was getting paid per hour or salary. Yeah. And I didn't know it was that low. Uh-huh. Like, I essentially, I think I make almost double, a little bit over double how much he makes then. And that was after like 20 years. And but that, that, that was that a just, lot of money though. Like if, like, let's say that right now you say that you make almost double of what he made, but that was what he made back then. That was a lot of money, no? But, that was worth yeah, more. but here's the thing. I mean, that that took him twenty years to get to that point, you know. Oh, and that just shows, okay, yeah, that just shows, okay. that just shows how 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 like the disparity between the wage gap and um, oh, I see the cost of living has has grown so exponentially. Yeah, you know yeah, that yeah. separation is so so different. And so it was hard for I think when before when I got out of college and it was you know people having issues finding jobs, we got into fights often because of him telling me what I need to do, what I should do, what job I need to apply for and stuff like that. Right. It wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. I wasn't going to be able to find something that was going to be able to um, match whatever he was doing, you know? So um, I think now he realizes that uh, after, but nobody, but like I was saying, nobody realized that at yeah. the time, um, unless you worked in the financial sector. Yeah. And so it's been okay since then and i've settled into it as well too and you know the one thing he i did go to grad school but i didn't finish and so that's the one thing he has on me so <laughs> so every time i see him he because i i got to the end but i never finished my thesis oh and so, i see um yeah and so um but i'm glad i got out because at the time i wasn't going for it for myself uh-huh. i was going for my dad and I think I hit a point where I realized I wanted to live my life for myself instead of for my dad. As much as I love my dad, as much as I look up to him, I couldn't continue down this road where I was trying to surpass him because it was never going to be good enough. I was never going... It was a different time, right? So I yeah. could never be able to surpass him. Like, hell, they came over here with a, with, with no, no education and was able to get like jobs that pay yeah. decently well yeah. you can't do that now. No, you, if you, you don't have any educational experience you can't just go oh um like yeah. the first jobs they they took were like going to the beach and digging for like quahog or um or seafood you know stuff like that or f- go fishing yeah and they can sell that stuff or they they fish for a fishing boat or, or something like that. You can't you can't do that now. You know you can't go picking strawberries or you can't go to a manufacturing plant and work on jewelry like my mom did. Mm-hmm. You can't. You just can't do that anymore. No. Because yeah, it's it, yeah, and it's not just like like before then. Like if my my mom got a job because her friend was at her friend worked at the manufacturing job and they just brought her in right there was no interview needed nothing like that yeah. she just started and if she was good they kept her on if she wasn't then they cut her that was it now it's not like that you know yeah. so it's 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 definitely even though it didn't it doesn't feel so long ago it that was like that's almost 40 years ago you know yeah. the 90s the 90s is like 30 years from now i guess so oh gosh know. when you put it that way oh it makes i know feel right so it's old. crazy oh my god and even the 2000s 20 years ago that's crazy yeah it's crazy um yeah so i have a lot of respect for my dad and we had we we have our disagreements we have our ups and downs but you know i ultimately look up to him i'm always super proud of where he comes from mm-hmm. and where he is now like i mean they own two businesses my dad worked for the city of charlotte in a government job and he retired and he has a pension and nice that's a lot you know yeah yeah and so um i'm still striving i still i still think about my parents and my dad especially when i think about my job and whether or not i want to could do better or stay or be um more aggressive in regards to finding a different job and there is a uh tranquility i guess to staying and being diligent at the job that you're at you know Uh i think 
especially being in the tech sector, um, where which I am in, um, there's a big push to j- jump to different jobs to get more pay. Yeah, but I think then there's, there's a, less there's security a, there's a, though. Yeah, there's less security, but then there's always that thought that there's always demand, right? But yeah. as we've seen in the past few months, people have been laid off in the tech yeah. industry and stuff like that. Like Amazon. But uh, yeah, and you know, I've thought about it as well too. Oh, maybe I shouldn't be saying this on air, but um <laughs> but um I think, you know, I'm I'm content in a way because if you can find a company that can pay you what you're worth, I think, or what you believe you're worth, then I think it's good enough to stay there. Yeah. As much as you you as much as uh I guess contemporary advice tells you otherwise. Because security is something you can't really buy. buy. Yeah. So but um yeah, yeah, I've learned a lot from my dad and I you know, as much as he pushed me for a more uh, STEM background or engineering or medical or whatever background, I believe like him asking me to help him write all these like letters and stuff like that pretty much made me more uh, compelled to write and go into English. And that's, you know, my dad tells me why I, I go into English. I'm like, oh, your dad's kind of your fault. You know, he made me write all these things for you. So it's kind of funny when I think back on yeah. it. So, um. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's my dad for you. He's um he's had a crazy life. Yeah. And he um he tells me stories all the time, but one thing I can't get over is how he's always telling us to travel back to the old country to take a look and get to know and part of me wants to, but part of me feels like that's not my world, you know. Um Hey, maybe he so, just wants you to visit your roots, uh just to have uh yeah war torn a war torn country no thanks <laughs> I, I tell my dad that i tell my dad as soon as i get off the plane in laos i'll be stepping on a landmine i'm like dad come on i'm mom they don't want us there you know my goodness so but yeah, yeah. so your turn right uh my dad was born in hong kong Forgot the year, but uh, he's one of eight children, and uh, that was, of course, before the time. I don't know if you know about this, but like Hong Kong put a uh, uh, max number of children that you should have, like around the seventies, I guess. So wait, was that the China one policy? No, no, it's it's basically it's also it's encouraged to have two only. And it was, you know, uh, set by the government, but it's not a, a like, you don't, I don't think you'll have a penalty or whatnot, but like, I remember watching those uh, 70s commercials from the government, you know, with the, with the little jingle and the saying like, oh, what? two is more than enough, you know, something like that. Oh my god. Yeah. Um and then uh so he's one of eight. He is somewhere in the middle. He's not the youngest, but anyway. Uh I know he liked to travel a lot before uh, settling down in Canada because uh I mm-hmm. saw I saw his old Hong Kong passport and had like lots of stamps oh. from everywhere like every Wait, what? Yeah. Okay, name an example. Uh, I think he went to Thailand at some point and like a lot of places in Asia. Mm. Uh, I don't know if he went to Korea, but yeah, there were pictures of him as well, you know, by the sea in a different country and all that. Mm. So he, of course, traveled less when he met my mom in Canada and then married her. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of funny. He met her in Canada, but then he had to leave the country to come back to the country because he was here like on a visitor visa or something oh, like that. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. yeah, and then my mom was the resident, right? Uh and so then to marry him and then sponsor him, I suppose, he had to be outside of the country. So <laughs> back in Hong Kong and uh, anyway. So, uh, so there was like a period of time where she was just waiting for him to come back to Canada. Oh my god! Of course, I wasn't born yet, but, uh, but that's that. I don't know if my sister was born yet. I don't mm. like. I don't remember. It's around that time frame, I suppose. 
So, uh, obviously, since he's from Hong Kong, you know, it's not a war zone. Uh, so, like, he didn't go through as much trauma as my mom did. So, mm-hmm. there was no bombing, no, you know, sirens, no hiding in the holes, no, none of that. It was uh, quite a civilized Western influence uh, city, right? Because in Hong oh, yeah, Kong... Of Right before 1997, uh, it, it kind of belonged to the British Empire, but you know after 1997, it it, it the contract expired and then it basically they went back to China. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, a lot of in English influence on on that city for the better because uh, Hong Kong is is so democratic because of that. But uh, back in Canada, you know after. Having three children, I remember my dad as a very smart man. Like he was, he. I don't remember much about like what kind of education he went through. I suppose it's the standardized, uh, you know, high school mm-hmm. uh, that that all Hong Kong students have to go through. Uh, but he was a very smart man. Uh, street smarts. He was very fast with coming up with like dark humor jokes. Uh, very, very, <laughs> very fast uh, when it comes to commenting, but making it into a funny joke. Uh, I re- I do remember him being vulgar though, and then <laughs> him having a few vices, which I will not uh, divulge. But anyway. <laughs> um, he he was very he was a very funny man i would i remember pestering him uh asking him to give me riddles you know asking him to give me iq puzzles uh and then he would have to come come up with some on the spot and it was just you know kind of like our thing and he enjoyed it very much as well because you know seeing his children developing these uh skills mm-hmm. if you will you know developing these uh uh this thirst for knowledge or learning mm. uh i remember he taught me how to play the piano he doesn't play piano per se but like he had this mini keyboard and he was just like oh playing nice. some melodies on it and then i really liked it that instrument and so then really liked the piano and i remember on my eighth birthday he did buy me like a of i would say like a full-size keyboard i still have that so, oh really yeah yeah it's uh it's in my house and it still works perfectly fine i think it's a yamaha <laughs> but uh but yeah uh aside for that uh i was usually his alarm clock and i'm gonna explain mm. that so he likes to sleep in on Saturday, Sunday. But mm. my mom would wake up, uh, the first one to wake up. And then I would have to help her like around nine o'clock. She wakes up maybe like seven, eight. I, I go down at nine o'clock. I help her. And then when it's 10 o'clock, that's the time that he has to get up. My mom allowed him to sleep until 10 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> so then she always tells me to go upstairs and wake him up. So I go upstairs and I'm like, Dad, wake up. And I remember he's like on his stomach, like sleeping on his stomach. And then I'm like, Dad, wake up, wake up, wake up. And so he doesn't wake up. So I sit on his lower back and then <laughs> I start playing drums with his ass. I'm like, Matt, wake up, wake up. And I'm playing drums. He's like, oh, two minutes, five minutes. I'm like, okay. So I patiently wait, still sitting on his back for like two minutes. And I'm counting too. Like I'm counting like one, two, three, like until like, I don't know, 120 seconds has elapsed. Yeah. And then I'm like, Dad, wake up. And then I continue drumming his ass. <laughs> I would do shit to him. I would. I remember because like he had really long leg hairs, and I would like mm. like to pluck his leg hair just <laughs> for the fun of it. And like it would hurt him, but it it's so funny the face he made. Um, and yeah, 
So uh, unfortunately, all my memories of my dad is when I was young because he unfortunately passed away when uh, when I was 10. So in the year 2002, liver cancer. So rest mm. in peace, dad. Sorry. But uh, yeah, so like ever since then, my mom has been a single mom. And so, you know, shout out to her for being such a strong woman. But uh, I do have very fond memories of my father. He taught me how to, well, taught me how to fish. It was basically... Oh, really? Yeah. So basically, he loved fishing. He loved these solitary, you know, activities. And he would uh-huh. he would bring me on his fishing trips. And uh, essentially, I had this, this mini rod for kids, yeah? And... I would be so squirmish because of the live bait, the worms. And I'm like, oh. ah, I, I don't want to do it. So then he would help me hook the worm. And then he would cast a line. And then he would just give the rod to me just to hold. And then <laughs> like whenever I would get a bite, he's like, don't tell me when you get a bite. So he would help me reel it in. And it was so fun. It was so fun. But like I... Even after getting the fish, I, I'd be squirmish. I'm like, I don't want to touch the fish. <laughs> but uh, no, very, very fond memories of my father. I miss him dearly. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my dad. Yeah, very short All but right. sweet. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Father's Day is June 18th. So don't you guys forget as well to get your dad something. Get him some flowers mm-hmm. maybe, you know. Uh, oh, a lot of yeah, maybe dads they don't get like flowers. It. Yeah, that's true. Like or, a, or like a case of beer. <laughs> yeah, or you know, instead of tools, yeah, something different. A uh, case of beer, some food, maybe, perhaps. Yeah. Or, or but something. I'm sure that they'll, you know, father or mother, they, they just appreciate your presence more than anything. Like just, mm-hmm. just being there and celebrating them. That's more than. Yep. That's that's the most the, the thing that they they're excited most about is seeing you guys. We hope, right? We act like we know. <laughs> but yeah that's it Uh, if you have any uh, stories or comments about um, your dad or your father uh, or anything we uh, yep you can always just uh, send us an email at theamtake at gmail.com that's t-h-e-a-m-t-a-k-e at gmail.com and then join us um, in two weeks we won't be recording one next week unfortunately because I'll be at an amazement and then right after I'll be making the trip to Montreal so it's going to be pretty mm-hmm. hectic week unfortunately um, but after that join us for a very special episode where I'll be on site recording with Amy in, in Montreal yeah yep and we'll have two very special uh, guests they're yes. good friends of ours and um, we'll be discussing that and they have a very special interesting story to tell so yep. join us in two weeks we'll see you then yep see you bye, bye.